Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our sermon series from 1 Samuel, A Personal God. We hope that this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, 1 Samuel chapter 28 this morning, we're going to uh, be back in our study. Uh, But before we get into it, how many of you have ever had someone give you the advice of... Don't go there. And I'm not talking about in conversation. You know, we have that. You might be talking about something and you bring something up and they say to you, don't go there. I'm not talking about that. I mean, literally, like you're maybe on a vacation or you're with some friends and you're talking. Oh, yeah, we're going to go try this restaurant. And they go, no, 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 no. Don't go there. No, you, you don't want to go there. Uh, I remember when we lived over in Lakewood, uh, there was a, uh, a certain restaurant that was known for um, cooking animals. You getting what I'm saying? Uh, cooking dog or cat, you know? And uh, I remember we had some friends come in, and there would be times, this happened multiple times, and, and Hannah and I were talking this morning. On many occasions, uh, somebody would say, oh, we're gonna, we're, we want to try this restaurant. I'd be like, no, 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 don't go to that one. Go to that one. Don't, no, don't. Trust me, you don't want to go there. Uh, you'll get food poisoning. You'll die. You're, you're going to die if you eat there. Um, that's how I feel about uh, that one restaurant that has the arches. I'm not going to name it, but uh, you know what? There's certain places that people say, hey, you just don't want to go there. As we come to 1 Samuel chapter number 28, I'm really finding a place, not physically, but a place spiritually that you and I don't want to go. It's a place we're going to see this morning that Saul is in that we never, ever want to be in. A place where he is spiritually, where it is so low, it's surprising. And it's a place that if we're honest, we will say, God, help me. Help me never, never to be there. Where we're at in our study, if you've been with us, we've been going through studying out the book of 1 Samuel, learning a lot from a lot of people. Most lately, we've been, or most recently, we've been with David. We've been with David as David uh, really has been running for his life from that maniacal uh, narcissist Saul. I mean, this man who's controlled by pride and selfishness and jealousy has been pursuing David, this up-and-coming leader that God had chosen to be king. And of course, we remember that God said to Saul, Saul, I'm rejecting you because you are rejecting me. And I've, I've chosen a man after my own heart, an unlikely person, David, this young shepherd boy that would be anointed king. And David would run for, run for his life from Saul for a number of years. And, and so that's what we've been kind of following. The last couple of weeks, though, we saw David come to his low point. His low point was in 1 Samuel chapter 27 and verse number 1 where it says that David said in his heart, There is nothing better for me than that I should run to the land of the Philistines. David, who, the, who had been kind of, uh, he's been kind of up and down, hasn't he? He's been kind of walking with the Lord, not walking with the Lord, living for himself, living for God. That's kind of been going on in David's life. But uh, consistently, David's been coming back to the Lord. But at this point, he says, I'm so in, in fear for my life that there is nothing better for me than that I should leave where God wants me and go to somewhere I know God doesn't want me. David knew. David knew God didn't want him in the land of the Philistines. David knew that God uh, wanted him to uh, be with his people. David knew that. And David, even chapter 26, David had said, I'm trusting God, I'll stay here. But then he listened to the worst counselor, his own heart. Because his heart was counseling him based upon fear. And we learned a couple of weeks ago that fear always uses a megaphone. Fear always uses bold and underlined and italic. Fear always uses that extra large font in our life. Fear screams loudly to us. And if we're not careful, we listen to that fear. Well, Dave, town of Ziklag. At the end of those 16 months, and this is key, we need to remember this today, with the Israelites. And David is on the wrong side of that war. He's going to be with the Philistines fighting against his own people, the people that he should be leading. 
Well, through providential uh, uh, guidance and providential interruption, God uh, takes David out of that fight. And David, 1 Samuel chapter 30, returns to his hometown, Ziklag, and he finds it destroyed with his men. The, 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 the town's destroyed, his family's taken. And 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 6, tells us that David was at a very low point. He is at a point of distress. His men are talking about killing him. His family has disappeared. He, is, he, is, he knows he's away from God. But what did David do? The last phrase of 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse number 6, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David turned and realized, I have a resource in God that is not available anywhere else. And verse 7, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue And will I overtake them? David, last week we saw where David decided, I want God's will in my life. And what we learned is that when you and I pursue God's will, that's when we find blessing from God. You see, David never would have recovered all had he not said, God, what do you want? David turned to the Lord. David began pursuing the will of God. And if you go and you were here, or if you weren't here, you can go and listen to the messages. But These men, David and his men, they recover all. God blesses through a course of of decisions and God leads them along the way and they pursue God's will and God brings blessing into their life. When we come to 1 Samuel chapter 28, we would think, oh, 1 Samuel 28 happened before 1 Samuel 29 and 30. But these two passages are parallel passages. What we read taking place in 1 Samuel 29 and 30 is taking place on the side of the Philistines with uh, um, uh, Gath and, and Achish, the king of Gath, and David. 1 Samuel 29 and 30 is accounting for us what's taking place there. 1 Samuel 28, the parallel passage, is taking place at the same time but on the side of the Israelites. And so today, we're going to look on the side of the Israelites. What was taking place when everything's going on with David and Ziklag and and him being discouraged and then recovering all and all of that? What's taking place on the side of the Israelites? What we're going to find today, again, is Saul at a very low place and at a place that I would say you and I never want to be. Take your Bible, if you would, and let's go to 1 Samuel 28 and stand and We'll read this passage. We're just going to read the first eight verses of 1 Samuel 28. We're going to read about Saul, this man who was one time a great king, humble before God, used by God, and yet because of his own pride and jealousy, he removed himself from the place of blessing. He turned his back on the things of God, and now, 1 Samuel 28, he's facing a battle. And we're going to see what Saul does in this passage. 1 Samuel 28, beginning in verse number 1. It came to pass that in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said unto David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was dead. That's a key thought. Let's remember remember that in just a moment. We saw it a couple of weeks ago, Samuel dying. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul, when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, notice the, notice the next phrase, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. 
and Saul, he disguised himself and put on other raiment and he went and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit and bring him up whom I shall name unto thee. It's an interesting turn of events when you come to 1 Samuel 28. And this morning as we unfold these words before us, we're going to discover again Saul at this place that you and I never want to go. But he is in a place that we can very easily be. And so today as we go there, as we get into the word, I want us to hear the warning this morning. The warning of don't go there. Don't go there. And I hope by the end of this message that every one of us will make the decision that where Saul was, I don't ever want to be. Let's pray, and then we'll get into our study today. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you just take a moment, and in the quietness of your own heart, would you just ask God to speak to you? You can pray something simple of, dear God, please speak into my life. Dear God, please speak into my life. And then would you make a commitment, God, whatever you speak to me about today, I am listening to you. Help me make a decision for you. Dear God, again, I thank you for the passage before us. Thank you, Lord, for how you've challenged me. God, I pray that you would again challenge my heart this morning. God, I just humble myself to you and recognize that It is your word that is going to affect the hearts of your people and of my heart today. And so, God, I pray that as we get into the word and the study, that you would help us. I pray that you'd challenge us. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that only you can. We love you, God. We thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to 1 Samuel 28 and we crack open this narrative of the life of Saul, we we really find Saul stooping to new lows. If you've been in our series, then you'll recall that we've seen Saul do some uh, pretty uh, uh, pretty crazy things. We've seen Saul go low, but now we're watching where Saul goes to a place that he has yet to, uh, to be. And as we look at this, we We find Saul in this low place, and he's facing the Philistines, and we're going to see more about this in just a second, but as we come to this passage, we find Saul seeking God. He's turning to God. He's inquiring of the Lord. That's what we discover in 1 Samuel 28 and verse number number 6, that when Saul had inquired of the Lord, it says, the Lord answered him not. But what I want us to understand this morning is Saul is not turning his heart back to God. Saul is not seeking the will of God. He is not seeking the plan of God. No, Saul is looking for God in desperation. He's just trying to know the future. That's what Saul is doing. I'm trying to figure out what's taking place. My heart is trembling. I'm very afraid. And what's going to happen in this war? What's going to happen to me? What does my future look like? And one man said it this way. It's interesting that the desperate times in our life cause us to seek God when we wouldn't seek him at any other time. Sometimes we hit low points where we, in desperation, we don't turn to God in repentance. We turn to God just for answers. This is where Saul is. You see, you think about it. Saul has consistently said no to God. By my account, Saul has been away from the Lord for at least 12 years. This has been Saul's MO, his his way of operating. This is the reason, if you go back to, excuse me, 1 Samuel um, chapter 13, I believe, this is the reason Saul saying no to God is the reason that God said, I'm done using you. Because Saul was continually just saying no, no, no. And what's interesting about that is we've got to remember that God will never force anyone to follow him. He will never, listen, God will never make you say yes to him. Ever. 
There are some uh, teachings out there that say that God makes people say yes in one way or another. God does not do that. He has given us freedom of choice. God gives us two options, and we choose. Do I want to follow God and receive the blessing, or do I want to follow myself and see where it takes me? Well, Saul has made that choice time and time and time again. No, God. The Lord would speak to him through Samuel. No, God. God would speak to him through Gad, another prophet. No, God. God would speak to him through visions and dreams. No, God. That was Saul time and time and time again. And yet now, now he's turning to the Lord. Saul has conveniently forgotten about God for years and years, and yet now he comes to his biggest battle to date and his his biggest fear, and when he sees that large trial in front of him, he comes back to ask God for answers. Now, here's my question. Was this a sincere asking? No. Was he repenting? God, I, was he pulling a David? God, I turn to you, shall I overtake? God, do you want me to pursue? Lord, what do you want? No, he's not doing that. He's not doing that. There is no record of Saul turning his heart back to God in any way. This is not a sincere seeking of the Lord. He simply wants to get out of his predicament, but he's not turning back to God. And as he seeks God and inquires of the Lord, God, what are you going to do? God, what's the answer? You know what he gets? Crickets. He gets nothing. There is no answer. He hears nothing in return. He seeks for the Lord, desiring for God to give him these answers, and he does it in a number of ways, through dreams. That would be revelations and asking God to give him a vision. Through the Urim and Thummim, this would be uh, something that the priests would use to seek God, and he tried this. But if you think about it, Saul had not annihilated all of the priests. He had killed off Abiathar and all those priests years ago. Saul had destroyed the city of priests, one of the main cities of priests. And so now there's few priests in the land. And yet Saul, in desperation, is reaching out to God. And God, through Urim and Thummim, does not speak to him. He tried the prophets. He tried perhaps Gad. And God did not speak to him. All of his seeking was futile because God was not responding. All that Saul was receiving was silence. Wow, what a place to be. A place where you're calling out to God, but never receiving an answer from God. Oh, not a place of sincere repentance. No, we're going to see this. But a place where, God, I just need answers, and God isn't showing up. A place where God is not listening to you. You see, God was hearing him, but God wasn't responding, wasn't listening to him. This is a place, and this is what we're going to look at this morning, a place that you and I never want to be at spiritually. A place that we don't want to go. A place where we simply just want answers from God rather than a relationship with God. But if we're not careful, we can end up there. And this morning, we're going to see how we can end up there. We're going to look at this passage and find out that this is exactly where Saul was. We're going to look at how Saul got there, what he did when he was there, and then we're going to answer the question, what should we do so we don't get there? I want you to see as we open the Bible this morning our first thought, which is an underlying issue that Saul had. An underlying issue that Saul had. (coughs) Excuse me, as you go to... 1 Samuel 28, the word of God says in verse 1 and 2 that this war is being set up. All of the pieces are in place. The Philistines, they're camped near Shunem, and the children of Israel are near Gilboa. Now, this is an a interesting place. We've been in Israel and seen uh, over those, uh, the hills there, and I love, I love uh, what takes place. But when you go, anybody recognize the name Shunem? If you go to the New Testament, you might think of the Shunemite woman. Uh, that was from Shunem. Uh, if you think of the name Gilboa, you can also recall perhaps Gideon. Uh, you think of the area, Mount Mora, and all of that. What, what you're looking at in the picture is you're seeing Mount Mora, and uh, that would be right here, and just to the backside of it, and around it would be uh, Shunem and this area of Gilboa. So here's Saul. 
He's in one area. The Philistines are in another. If you look, you can find that these battle lines, and we won't take time to do all of it, but the battle lines of the Philistines against Israel are similar to the Midianites against Israel in Judges chapter number six with Gideon. Very similar battle lines. It would have been just a few hundred years before that, perhaps even not even hundreds of years, but just a, uh, maybe 90 or 100 years before that, that Saul could remember, not that he was there, but he's heard stories of Gideon and, and the Midianites and everything that took place. And these battle lines are drawn, and no doubt Saul would know these things. But Saul doesn't recall what God did through Gideon when Gideon sought God out of sincerity. Saul doesn't recall that. No, the Bible says that Saul, Saul's heart fears, and trembles. Well, why was Saul afraid? Well, he's, he's afraid because he's up against a Philistine army that is larger than it has ever been. Well, why is the Philistine, larger, why is the Philistine army larger than it had ever been? It's because Saul, for years, had chased David and neglected the Philistines. You see, God had told Saul, I want you to take care of the Philistines, but Saul said, no, God, I'm going to pursue David. And now, the enemy that he's neglected has grown to a point where he is now afraid of, the, of his enemy. 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan took out the Philistines, him and an armor bearer. But now here we are just a few years later and Saul is overwhelmed. Can I tell you this morning, you need to understand this, that the enemy that you neglect in your life will be the enemy that will always be strengthened and turn your heart to fear. Saul should have never faced this battle, but he was facing it. Why? Because he neglected the enemy. Another thing this passage teaches us is that your battle, it'll reveal where your default settings are. Saul's default setting was not upon God in a relationship with God. No, Saul's default was, how do I get out of this? I love the quote, your trial does not make you as you are, it simply reveals who you are. This is Saul. His trial was revealing what was going on. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, he's not seeking relationship. He's not repenting. He's not turning to the Lord. He just wants to know the future. I just need answers. And so uh, all of this, all of this I pointed out to say this, that Saul's issue is not David. Saul's issue was not the Philistines. Saul's issue was not the battle line. Saul's issues, uh, his issue is not even the impending battle. No, Saul's issue is his continued rebellion against God. You see, Saul was in this place because he had continually expelled God from his life. He had said, no, God, I don't want to hear that. God, I don't care about your word. God, I don't care what you think. But now, God, I really need you. <laughs> God, you're, you're my last option. But God is not speaking. Saul has had the word of God available to him for years, but consistently he's rebelled against it and ignored it. Now when he really wants to hear God, God is not answering. Oh, God heard Saul. God knew Saul, but God was not answering Saul. Now don't miss this today. God was hearing, but he wasn't listening. Why? Because Saul was still rejecting. Saul was still acting in pride. He was not turning to the Lord in repentance. Listen to what Isaiah said to the people of God when they knew God wasn't responding to them. Here's what's said in Isaiah 59, 1 through 4. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For because your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness, none calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. But verse number two, he says, hey, it is your iniquity. It is your sin that separates you from God. 
The people of Israel at this time, they are, er, were erroneously saying that God wasn't strong enough. God can't hear us. And Isaiah says, no, no, it's not God's strength. No, it's not that you're too far away from him distant wise that he can't hear what you're saying. No, God chooses not to answer you because your sin has literally driven a wedge between you and God. Your sin is what separates you. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 66, 18. Uh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Now, we all know this. There's a difference between hearing and hearing, right? I can hear, but not hear. I can hear, but not process, not listen. If you have kids, you know this to be true. If you were a kid, you know this to be true. Because how many times did your mom growing up say to you, hey, are you even listening to me? Hey, I have told you, hey, 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 tune in. Hey, hey, dial in. Hey, reconnect. And you've done that with your kids. Hey, you've got a glaze over your head. Are, are, you, are you listening? Are you hearing me right now? I know you're not because we've been dealing with this for 20 minutes. I said clean up your room, and you responded that you would, and you haven't cleaned up your room. There's a difference between hearing and hearing. God was hearing, but God wasn't hearing. Why? Because of Saul's underlying issue, his rebellion towards God. Saul had continually said no to God, and God was under no obligation to respond to Saul. God said, I'm not, I'm not a part of this. You've rejected me. You have turned from me. God chooses not to hear us when we choose not to hear him. And Saul for years was saying, I choose not to hear God, not to hear God, not to hear God. And then all of a sudden, God, I want you to listen to me. That's a little disingenuous, isn't it? So in all of this, there's an underlying issue, Saul's continued rejection of the Lord. But I want you to notice, secondly with me, Saul had an unrepentant heart. Not only was the issue his rejection of God, but in all of this, he doesn't ever repent. Saul doesn't hear from the Lord time and time and time again. And my question is, could Saul have heard from God? Yes. No doubt Saul could have heard from God if he would have actually turned to the Lord. But you know what? Saul wasn't stupid. Some people like to go, and we like to, um, maybe some of the unpopular characters of, of Scripture, we like to discredit them. Well, they, he just wasn't that wise. Well, he just, listen, Saul knew the word of God. Saul knew the prophecies. Saul knew what God had in store for him, and Saul had chosen to reject it. And on this occasion, he knew what God desired. He knew it because he had heard when Samuel told them years before, 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel said to Saul and to the people, if you will fear God, fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. You see, here's Saul, and, and you think it would come to the point where Saul would say, God's not hearing me. He's not responding. I wonder what's going on. I, I wonder what's taking place. But Saul continued in rebellion instead of getting right with the Lord, and we're going to see more about this in just a second. But instead of turning to the Lord, Saul says this, fine, I'll do it my way. Fine, I'll keep doing it my way. Can I tell you this morning that God in his mercy will hear you anytime you call to him. Anytime you and I call out to the Lord, he will hear us when we come with the right heart. God says, I'm under no obligation. Hannah's favorite book is the book of James. Well, at one time it was her favorite book. Now it's kind of the whole Bible, but uh, James, the book of James. And in the book of James in chapter number four, listen to what James wrote. This is the half-brother of Jesus. 
that first pastor there at the church of Jerusalem writing to the strangers that were scattered abroad and trying to encourage them, these believers that he had pastored that were now under persecution. Here's what he says. Hey, draw nigh to God. Hey, you draw close to God. You know what God's gonna do? He'll draw close to you. But cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. There are points in the Bible when God no longer listens to people and we never wanna be in that place. Well, what keeps us in that place is, number one, we've gotta recognize there's this underlying issue if God isn't responding, if, if I feel a distance between me and God, God did not put it there. It's probably my own sin. And what keeps me in that spot is regarding iniquity in my heart, desiring to not repent it. This is what Saul was. Does this mean that God can't hear? No, no, God can hear. But he's no longer bending his ear to our requests because of our pride. That's exactly what's taking place in 1 Samuel 28. God is no longer giving attention to Saul because of Saul's continued rebellion against the Lord and his lack of repentance. It's a place we never want to be. Well, Saul's pride and his unrepentant heart, it leads him down a path of what I'm calling an uncontrollable desire. An uncontrollable desire. Notice what Saul does instead of repenting, right? He's seeking God uh, through revelation, through dreams, through Urim and Thummim, through the prophets. He's trying to get to God. God doesn't answer to him. Notice verse seven. Then said Saul unto his servants, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. What does Saul do? Well, now Saul turns to the devil. Now Saul turns to the underworld. Now Saul turns to God's enemies. I can't get what I want from God, and so now I'm going to go to the other side. I want answers no matter how I get them. Now before we really dive into this, this witch at Endor that we're going to look at, I want to explain some things in our passage. In verse number three, when we were reading it, it is significant that I read and said, Samuel is dead. Okay, we need to remember that. Samuel, he has died. He is gone. It is also significant that we read at the end of verse number three that Saul had at one time expelled the wizards and those with familiar spirits. Okay, that's significant. We need to remember that. But we have to know and I want you to know this today, that the Bible, it speaks clearly, it speaks often, and it speaks definitively about a world that you and I cannot see. Now, what has happened is Hollywood has taken themes like these, the underworld, and it's turned them or made them into uh, something to be fanciful or fictitious or even cartoonish. And so when you and I hear about a wizard, we think about Sword in the Stone and Merlin. You know, he was a wizard, and, and he was this fun little guy. And, and how many of you saw that Disney growing up? You saw Sword in the Stone. I remember it was one of my favorites growing up, you know. And, and Merlin, oh, he's so cool. And, and that, that's, that's kind of our mindset. We go about that road. When we hear about witches or those with familiar spirits, we think uh, about Halloween, and we maybe think about uh, maybe different things that we have seen or a sci-fi movie or something like that. And, and we begin because culture has kind of uh, dumbed down that underworld, we begin to think, ah, that's really not that big of a deal. Ah, you know, witchery, ah, that's just all kind of fake, and it's all, it doesn't really take place. And, but we need to understand this morning that the devil would love that. The devil would love for you to discredit his power and his ability. You say, pastor, aren't we always supposed to be lifting up the Lord, talking about how powerful the Lord is? Yes, because God is much more powerful than the devil. But the scripture also says that he is, he is the prince of this world. He has powers in this world that you and I will never understand. And God forbid any of us ever say, well, I can take him on. There's Christians, that's their mentality. I can take on the devil. I'll bring it, devil. 
You know, I see guys posting that, bring it, devil, you know, and I'm like, what are you doing? Now, yes, in God's power, you and I can defeat the devil any time, but it's not us, it's the Lord. But I bring all of that to light to say this, that the devil would love for us to just think that he's a cartoon character that simply stands upon your shoulder in a little red suit and little tail, little horns, and he's, he's there every now and then. There's an angel on one side and the devil on the other side, and you can flick him off, you know? Now, none of us probably ever think that, but what we do is we can dumb down the truth of the devil's power. But the word of God says this, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so just as there is a good unseen world that we've never experienced like heaven and angels and God, just like there is that, there is also a horrible unseen world, the underworld of the devil that we have not experienced yet either. We cannot demonic oppression. To deny demons in the satanic world would be to deny the word of God. And so, when the word of God teaches that Saul had put away those things, he's the familiar spirits, he's talking about those people who had some sort of spiritual connection to the underworld. Some sort of power given to them by the devil. This is what it's talking about. And Saul had done that years before. When we come to 1 Samuel 28, verse number three, don't think this is something that Saul had done recently. No, this is something that Saul had done years and years before because Saul knew the instruction of Leviticus 19 and 20 and and, uh, Deuteronomy 18. Saul knew that it was the king's responsibility to protect the people from those things so that they would consistently be interested in hearing the word of God. And so Saul, as a young king, he understood this, and he made the right choice to get rid of these things. And so we need to know that he had dispelled these things at one time, knowing God doesn't want me involved in them. But then when you come to verse number seven, he turns to them. Now, I'm going to do something we don't do it very often, but I'm just going to read, and I want you to follow along. We're just going to read what took place. First Samuel chapter 28, let's begin in verse number seven. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Endor would be just a few miles away from Shunem and Gilboa. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment and went and two men with him. You can always know that you're probably not doing what you should be doing when you put on a disguise. I'm not talking about VBS this week, okay? That came to my mind when I had that thought this week and heard that. I was like, ah, you know what? That's not VBS. You know what Saul's doing? Saul's disguising to manipulate. Notice, Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment. He went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. That's also interesting in Scripture. Anytime somebody does something by night, men love darkness because their deeds are evil. Saul knew. He came by night, and he said, I pray thee, Divine unto me by the familiar spirit, bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath uh, cut off those that have familiar spirits and wizards out of the land. Wherefore, then layest thou a snare for my life and cause me to die. Even this lady who was uh, probably not even someone who was ever close to God is calling Saul out. Hey, you you know the king doesn't want this. Verse 10, and Saul swear, by, swear to her, by the Lord saying, as the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she did her thing. And she saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul saying, uh, why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said to her, be not afraid. For what sawest thou? And the woman, notice what she said. She said unto Saul, I saw gods, little g, ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, what form is he of? What did he look like? And she said, an old man cometh up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul, notice the next word, perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself and 
this Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore have I, I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, wherefore then dost thou ask of me? seeing the Lord is departed from thee. And notice what he says, and the Lord is become thine enemy. Wow. The Lord hath done to him, and it to the spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor ex, uh, executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, going all the way back to eight, nine, and ten, chapters 8, 9, and 10. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons be with me. This means you'll be dead. And the Lord also shall deliver the host of heaven into the hand of the Philistines. Then Saul fell straightway all along on the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no bread all day, uh, all the day, nor all the night. Can I tell you, you talk about a dark place. Saul's in a dark place. Saul comes to this witch of Endor and tricks her to do her divining. Now, let me give you a few different thoughts about it, okay, real quick. Some say this was God coming up and using something to speak through the voice of Samuel. Others say, no, it was a demon. Either way, either way, we know that God allowed it to happen. Or B, God allowed Samuel to actually come up and speak into Saul's life. Did this woman have some sort of supernatural power in and of herself? No. How do we know? Because the person who is most surprised that somebody shows up is the woman. Look at verse number 12. Verse 12, and when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. So she's doing her thing, you know, and you know, doing her thing. And all of a sudden there's a demon or there's Samuel there. And she's like, ah, she's, she didn't expect it to happen. So maybe she was a charlatan for all those years, just playing the game. But we know she didn't have some sort of supernatural connection that this, she did this. No, we know that God allowed this to happen. It could have been like Ahab in 1 Samuel 22 where God used a lying spirit to speak into the life of Ahab. That's what it could be. Or it could be that God allowed Samuel to actually come back up. But either way, we know God put it in here for our learning. And so what do we learn from this? What do we look at this and what do we learn? We learn that Samuel, or excuse me, Saul, he stoops to new lows. He stoops to new lows because now he's saying, I don't care how I get my answer. I just want my answer. And so I will turn to demonology. I will turn to those with familiar spirits. I will turn to the underworld. Man, you think about a spot of desperation. Saul went from just saying no to God to now saying, I will turn and open myself up to anything to get answers. Saul is not getting what he, want from the, what he wanted from the Lord, so he turns to demons. He's at a place that 10 and 12 years earlier, he would have completely denied. I will never be there. You want to know something interesting? Listen to what Samuel, the real Samuel, said to Saul a few years before this. Delight in burnt offering and sacrifice. Three, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. We know that verse. Notice verse 23. To to Saul, Samuel said this, for rebellion is as the sin of, what's the word? Witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Saul knew that his rebellion was going to take him places that he would never want to be. 
And we need to be careful because the longer we say no to God, the easier it is to become further and further and further from God. And we too can find ourselves in a place like Saul, a place where we are, God is distant, Saul is empty and afraid, and now he's stooping to new lows, leaning over to the underworld, to demonology. All of this because of that underlying issue. He had allowed his pride to hinder his relationship with God. He was living with an unrepentant heart, and he's ruled by this uncontrollable desire. And all of this because of what we see last. Saul had some unlearned lessons. Unlearned lessons. Saul is at this place because of some things that he had literally unlearned. Things that he once knew, but had discarded them from his memory. What had Saul known that he was discarding from his memory? Well, I think first of all that Saul, or excuse me, God was not answering Saul because Saul was ignoring the voice of God. Saul knew. 1 Samuel 12, 14, had, had this had been said to Saul, if you'll fear God, serve him, and obey his voice, he'll help you reign. Saul knew that God's voice was important to listen to, and yet he said no. In our life, we are the one distancing ourselves from the Lord. And sometimes God doesn't answer us because he has already told us some things that we are ignoring. Number two, God's not answering Saul because Saul was looking to God as a resource, not the source. In this passage, Saul is looking to God as some sort of genie. Sometimes we too can look to God as just a resource. Okay, God, I, I need something now. As if God was a, a store clerk at the, just going to uh, check out to us whatever we bring down, down his aisle. We should never look to God as a resource. No, he is the source for everything that we need in this life. And he knows what we need when we need it. This is why it's so important to remember the lesson that we learned from David last week. Submitting to the will of God brings blessing in my life. It may not be the blessing I'm thinking I need, but God will always bless his children as they walk with him in one way or another. Saul is not looking to God as a source, instead as a genie. I see that God is not answering Saul because Saul is seeking service from God, not a relationship with God. The issue was not the answers that Saul needed, but instead the relationship that Saul lacked. He is not looking to God as a relationship and someone uh, whom he needs in his life. No, listen, Saul was looking to God as a servant at his beckoned call. We need to be careful to cultivate our relationship with God and understand that God is here for a relationship with you. We don't need God in our life as a servant. We need God in our life as a, heavenly, as a loving heavenly father. We need relationship with him, not service from him. This is why God said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says this, uh, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Hey, you're gonna find true inner peace and true delight when we're seeking relationship with him. And lastly, God is not answering Saul because Saul was not trusting in God. Saul was not trusting God. Through the entire account, we never read of Saul desiring for God to help him or to show up or to fight for Israel or to deliver the people. No, instead, Saul is only interested in protecting his own skin. Verse number 20 of the passage, when Saul fell straightway all along the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel, that should have been the point, the moment where Saul said, God, I repent. God, I turn. God, I trust. But instead, Saul goes further into depression. And here you have Saul, the night before his death, eating his last meal at the hand of the witch of Endor. A place, listen, a place that God had never intended for him to be. When God established Saul as king, this was not God's plan for Saul's life. 
Well, it happened. It's because God allowed Saul to choose. What a sad story. We'll learn about Saul's end next week as we wrap things up. But we find Saul today at a place where you and I never want to be. A place where if I could give you three words, it's don't go there. A place where God is no longer answering, no longer listening. Why? Because it's a place that I take myself to. And I want to close this morning by understanding that Saul, he did not just wake up one day at this place. No, he got here because he gradually ignored God's involvement in his life. He said no to God in this area. He said no to God in those, that area of his family. He said no to God in this part of his leadership. He said no to God in that corner of his heart. He felt God convict, God's conviction, but time and time and time and time again, he turned his ear from the Lord. And can I tell you that you and I could end up at the same place. We don't end up there because tomorrow on Monday on the 27th of July, you just wake up and say, you know what? I'm turning away from God. It doesn't happen like that. No, Saul got to this place by gradually ignoring God's involvement in his life. And you and I get to the same place by, God, by gradually ignoring God's involvement in our life. So how do, we not up, how do we not end up here? How do we determine not to go there? We must choose to adopt Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and do what? Lean not on your own understanding. Hey, quit listening to your own heart. In all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. And what's he gonna do? He's gonna direct your path. Hey, he's never gonna direct you into the door of the house of the witch of Endor. He's never gonna direct you to the place where you are stooping to new lows. He's never going to take you out of continually seeking his presence with a repentant, trusting heart. We must take heed to and listen to and respond to the voice of God. Like Hebrews said, while it is today, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Hey, don't harden your heart. Stop disregarding the Lord in your life. Stop saying no in those small areas. Stop saying, God, I'll do that tomorrow. God, I'll follow you next week. God, I'll witness to them. God, I'll, give, God, I'll do that later. God, I'll get that sin out of my life later. Instead, today, repent. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.